chapter. Peter was a man that had problems early on in his life. He, he, he was with the Lord. He walked with the Lord. He walked, jumped out of the boat to go see the Lord. He took his eyes off the Lord. He denied the Lord three times. Peter was a man that struggled. Amen? How many of you struggle in here? The rest of you are good to go. I like that. you got a great group. Man, I always tell you what. Um, 1 Peter chapter 1 tonight. <clears throat> it says, 1 Peter chapter 1, an apostle of Jesus Christ to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithany, elect, according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you, and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold, that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Whom having not seen, ye love, in whom though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, again, we come to you now and ask that through this few minutes we have left that you would just speak to our hearts. That, Lord, you would have your way again. I pray you would bind the hand of the evil one to remove the distractions because we're thinking on so many things, the things of the week ahead. But, Lord, may our focus be on you. May the power of the Holy Spirit be made seen evident as you're working. And I pray again you'd give me your thoughts and words to speak. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, it says in this passage right in here, we, we, we read all what's going on here, and it's kind of the same thing we talked about this morning in focusing on, on what God has given us, and that is the promise of eternal life. Amen? I went out to the nursing home today to talk to a man, Don Cox. He was out there in Arizona. He's back here. He's trying to get back there. Some medical issues. 88 years old. And I asked him if he was going to go to heaven. He said, well, you know, I thought about that. But I really just don't know about it. I just don't know. And I talked to him, various, took at him from various angles. And, and I left him. And he said he would think about it and he would consider it. I wonder today why many people aren't considering um, eternal life. I'm wondering, maybe is it perhaps that Christians aren't considering eternal life? We know about eternal life, and I asked this morning, how many of you are ready to, if you're ready to go to heaven today, I don't know if I asked this, maybe I thought I should, but I didn't, but let me ask you it again. If you were, if they come to you and they said, hey, um, You're either going to heaven today or you're going to give you a 60-day window to do some things you need to catch up on. How many would say, I'll take that 60-day window? Nobody? You'd go today? You would? You're all ready to go see Jesus. Everybody's prayed up. Everybody's witnessed up. Everybody's right with where God wants them to be. Right now, today, if the bus came and said, everybody out here, go to heaven right now and stand before Jesus Christ and give an account or I'm going to give you a 60-day window over here to catch up on some stuff before you go. How many would go to the 60-day window? There we have it. Why? Shouldn't we be ready tonight? 
We should be ready tonight to go. Maybe, and I said this morning, we want to get out of here because we're just tired. But we're not tired of serving the Lord. We're tired of serving self. We're tired of doing the things that make us tired. Raising kids. This poor guy over here, man. Four kids, they're beautiful kids. Praise God, you know. Um, but we're tired, aren't we? Your preacher's tired. Aren't you tired, preacher? Did you get your nap today? You got the nap? So see, he's so tired he had to take a nap today. That, I mean, um, but we're just tired of this world, the way it's just beating us down, the way they're, they're taking the Bible out of school, the way we can't pray, and, and the way the homosexuals are overrunning us, and, the, and all this, this, and that, and the government. And, 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 and But what are we doing about it? Well, there's nothing we can do about it. There's a lot we can do about it. We can live for eternity like we should be. Oh, there's the, there's the calf staring at a new gate. Look. Did you catch what I said? We should be living differently. Why? Because if we get caught up in all the stuff that's going on in this world, it's going to make you crazy. It's going to get you wore out. If we're serving the Lord, you might say, you know, I'm all caught up. I'm, done, I'm all prayed up today. I'm all witnessed up today. Uh, I called that guy again. I talked to him. There's always somebody we can witness to, but is there, is there somebody that you know that you should have said something to that you haven't? You said, well, one of these days I'm going to talk to him about Jesus. You may say, I'd like to have another day just to go talk to that guy, but I'm ready to go to heaven today. But when, the static, when we get to the thought of our mind saying, you know what, we're Christians, we're supposed to be living for eternity instead of we're supposed to instead of how we live i'm living for my 401k i'm living for uh, uh my 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 children's my, hopefully my kids will have grandchildren that's the day i'm living for you see what our is it that we're living for and that's the key isn't it because we can live for all these other things as long as we're living for christ we can live, and how do we live for Christ? Well, I believe it's, like we said this morning, to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding. Abounding means, when I got saved, I knew that Christ was coming, but I figured it was a ways off. But now I need to be thinking, as I'm growing older, not older physically, but as older physically, but as I'm growing older, more maturely as a Christian, that I should be looking for that soon and imminent return, because I'm getting more knowledgeable in here, therefore I, should, I have a lot more to do. He says in verse number um, 8, Whom not having seen, ye love, in whom though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. There's a lot of joy going on in that verse. Do we, do we live to this end? Do we rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory? Unspeakable is to the fashion that you really can't put it to words. It goes over there to Philippians chapter 4 when he says, um, And the peace which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It, you can't explain it to somebody when you've got the peace of Christ. Amen? People don't understand what's matter with you because you've got the peace of God. Here he's saying you should have this joy that you really can't even put into words. Do we have that? Do we have that kind of joy? Well, you people say, well, how do I get this joy? What's this joy about? Well, first of all, it's understanding that I'm saved, born again believer. And if I took my last breath today, I'm going to be in, I'm going to be in the presence of Christ. And that's going to be a wonderful place. Many Christians have this look about them. 
It looks something like this. Can I, can I tell you about Jesus? He's a wonderful Savior to me. People go, no, yeah, please tell me more. No, they're not. They're saying, no, nope, I don't want any of that. Don't look exciting to me. Do you know why many young people have left the church and not come back? There's no joy in the church. So we have to trump up joyfulness. We have to get the whole band up here and, and, and the singers and, and the Hollywood uh, uh, spectacle going on. And that keeps the young people in church. And you know what happens when that quits? The kids go away. There was a church out there that this guy started. And man, it was a hopping church and it was called uh, The Place. It's The Place. And I mean, they suck. Praise God we didn't have any kids in our church at that time. It was a wonderful, wonderful thing. They sucked all the kids out of every other church, and they all went there. Opened it up in a bowling alley. The place was a church in a bowling alley. Man, everything was good. You come as you are, do what you want. It was great, fantastic. Kids out the... I mean, they had it all going on. They had a place over there where they had the kids would come at night. And, and for, for youth night, and you guys will like this, maybe he'll start this. They had video games on the wall, the PlayStations. They went in there, man, they were doing the PlayStation, and that's all they were doing. But the kids were coming to church. Well, that was great stuff. Something happened, and then all the kids left. Why? Because the fun was gone. You see, when Christians don't find their fun, their joy in serving the Lord, how can you transfer that into something else? You can't. I remember years ago when we were saying, well, we'd have these uh, big uh, youth things and, and we'd have, uh, uh, have a big feeds. We'd have this food and this food and, and ice cream and stuff and so on and so forth. And we'd have kids all the time, big, 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 big thing. And then that Sunday come and you'd have, we'd have, I don't know what, 50 to 100 young people. You know what I'm talking about, right? And then there'd be 10 that would show back up and they'd say, Are we going to have any food? Nope. They wouldn't come back. Why? Well, they were there for one reason. Not to say that we can't do this for young people, but that is not the idea. And we struggled with that. I remember we struggled with that when I was here. The idea of this is, adults, we need to be have joy in serving Jesus. It should be so contagious. What is with you? I just can't describe it. Let me show you. Come with me. Come with me and I'll show you. A life given. There was a lady, she was talking about this man. She went into a gym and she was coaching these young uh, these girls in basketball. And this guy walked up to her. They were out of town. He walked up and he was the head coach. And he says, hi. I don't know what his name is. Hi, my name is Bill. And he says, if you was to die today, where would you spend eternity? She said she about fell out. And he says, uh, he, she says, well, I'm a Christian, by the way, and blah, blah, and he goes, he, she says, can I ask you why, what would possess you to ask a question like that? He says, well, let me tell you my story real quick. And they had some time in between games, and he said, I was an unbeliever. I did not believe. I couldn't understand, and it just, it, it just irritated me when some, a Christian would say something to me like that. She said, well, there was this older, older gentleman. We just moved into this neighborhood, and he come over, and he talked to me about Christ. And I said, I don't want any of that part of the stuff. And he says, okay. So one day I went out and I was going to build a fence around my house. And he says, can I help you? And he says, sure, if you want to come and help me. He said, he really never talked to me about Jesus. He said, but every day we'd sit down for lunch and he'd pray. And he was steady. He was busy. And he was always different. He says, I noticed there was something different about this guy. He was honestly a happy man. He was a joyful guy. He just wanted to help and he, I finally, I finally, he says, after we finally got all that done, he was there every day. He always did the job that he was going to do, and he taught me a lot of things. And he was a great guy to be around. 
And I finally said, hey, what is it with you? And he says, well, he says, I've given my life to Jesus Christ. And he says, I live a life pleasing to him now. He says, it brings me all the joy I've ever needed. He says, I want that. The guy got saved. And ever since then, he says, I'm not letting anybody by that doesn't know Christ. Well, what was the difference there? This guy showed him Christ through having a joyful heart of serving the Lord. He was expecting nothing in return. He just wanted to help this guy. And that's what he did. He says here, joy unspeakable and full of glory. When we get to this point, you know, it's in um, uh, Philippians chapter 4. four. I've got to this point in my life, and, and uh, I know this is going to shock you like nothing else, but um, Philippians chapter 4.4 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. I believe it's, and it's over in First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5. Ooh. First Thessalonians, yeah, that'd be it. First Thessalonians chapter. It says, Rejoice evermore. What does it mean to rejoice? It actually has the idea of leaping for joy. But rejoice. I look at it this way. Have you ever rebuilt anything? Have you ever restored anything? Have you ever redone anything? Have you ever reviewed anything? Well, what'd you have to do? You had to go back. Well, let's rebuild this. Let, let, let's redo this whole room. Let's get it back to the way it once was. Well, let's rejoice. Well, we first have to know where our joy came from. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. You're not going to find joy in this world. You're not going to find joy in anything else. You might find fleeting happiness. But to find the real joy that we need, it's all about Jesus Christ. It's all about what He gave us on the cross at Calvary, eternal life. He took our sins away. Friends, understand this. If you know Christ is your Savior... He took your sin and put it as far as the east is from the west, never to bring it up again. First John 1 John 1.9, when we sin again, he says, uh, if, we are, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Yeah. Too often, though, we like to paint with a broad brush, don't we? Lord, forgive me for my iniquity. Good to go. He says confess, and I think that means that we need to paint with a fine-tipped brush. Lord, forgive me for my attitude towards my wife. Lord, forgive me for my not... Uh, uh, being a good example to my neighbor. Lord, forgive me for the sin of, of, of whatever, whatever, whatever. Confessing our sin means you confess what you did. He knows what you did. It's just like you as a parent. You know what your kid did and you go, how'd you do today? Oh, everything's good, Dad. Everything's okay. Do you know who broke that window? Oh, no, Dad. No, I don't know who broke the window. Well, I think I know. Oh, Dad, man, I'm really sorry. I, I, I. God already knows what you've done. He wants you to come to him and say, hey, would you forgive me? I did it. I'm, I'm sorry. God, forgive me for that. I shouldn't have done it. Cleanse me from that sin so that I can go forward. And he says, okay. I'm good. I got the joy again. But sometimes we don't even, think, we don't even know what a sin is to the point to where we're, me, we're, we're wallowing in our own life. And we don't realize that we have yet to confess what we need to confess. Because we don't think it's sin. You know, this Bible right here, this book, it'll tell you what sin is. And you know what sin is? Is that which displeases God. And when you get to the point, and if you're at the point where it says, where, 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 where uh, you say, well, I know that's what the Bible says, but in this day and age, I believe, right there, you're in trouble. 
you're in trouble because you're just now thinking, well, I'm going to confer with God here because I think he's wrong. How many think God's wrong? How many think God's word is true? How many of you think God's word never fails? How many of you believe that if we follow this, life is going to be good? So let me ask you this question. Why don't we follow this? We like life bad. He says rejoice evermore. We've got to go back and do it. It's, it's something that you have to do. I've been in, the time, been in times, especially out there, it's just like, you know what? I'm done. And the joke is amongst preachers, Monday morning everybody resigns, and Tuesday we, get, we, we go back to work. But seriously, there's been times when I'm like, we're like, you know, I don't know why we're doing this. It's just ridiculous. We should be doing something else. But then the Lord says, what are you going to do? Uh, I'm going back to serve you, Lord. But the bottom line is you have to rejoice. You have to gain that joy back because you've lost it. Like I said this morning, we lose our joy. Why? Because we look to the world and there's no joy there. There's no happiness there. You can, be, you got, you can have the worst job in seven counties. Your boss is riding you like a cheap mule. He's got a saddle permanently strapped to your back, and he's riding you all day long. You see, there's no joy in that. There's no joy. If you have to look over in Colossians, and it'll tell you what to do to have joy when you work for somebody like that. You want me to show you what that says? All right, flip over there with me. I knew you did. In verse 17 of chapter 3 and verse 23, verse 22, it, says, it talks about it too. But let's look what it says in verse 17 of chapter 3 of Colossians. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. If you look in verse 23, it says, whatever ye do, do it heartily as unto God and not unto men. So if you go to work and you've got a boss that's insufferable and you show him, I'm here to serve God. And I thank God for the job I've been given. That's going to change his heart. In the book of Acts, when all these people got saved, when he added to the, when he added to the church 3,000, they, they followed the apostles' doctrine. They, they uh, fellowshiped. They broke bread together. In other words, they were one mind, one accord. And it said, God gave them favor with all men. If you're doing what God wants you to do, God's going to give you favor with all men. I believe He didn't just do it to that select few. I believe He'll do it to everybody if you're doing what God wants you to do. Look what He says in in, in this passage in 22. He says, Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service and men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. If you go to work for somebody, you serve that guy. So if you've got a bad job, you don't like that job, and you're going to stay there, Smile every day and say, thank you, Lord, for this job you've given me. And may I be a difference to those people around me. Because you're serving God, you find your joy in Him. Because if you're trying to find joy in a job that you're going to work, if you started at 20 and you're going to retire at 80 because they've moved the uh, retirement age up, you will be retiring at 80. Um, You better have a whole different attitude on than saying, I'm going to work for this guy and be happy. Amen? Or pray, God, give me a new job because this just isn't working out. Allow God to work for you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, says in Matthew 16, isn't it? 33, 6.33. And all these things will be added unto you. You see, we put God first and he takes care of us. Put God second and he says, you take care of yourself. How's that been working for you? 
friend, really, honestly, rejoice evermore. Rejoice, and again I say rejoice. It goes back to something you have to do. It's something that you have to physically, in the morning, get up. And you're like, ladies, you get up and you go, man, that guy. Jeez. Again? Can I use, my, can I use you as an example there, my lovely wife? Can I? It's going to be on me, but I'll use you. I know this, I don't mean to sound crass, but then I don't know how it started, but it did. You know, you wake up and, and, you know, guys, if you ever go through this, this is all guys. So ladies, if you please just think about something else for the next minute, go ahead, take your time. Okay, guys, can I have your undivided attention up here? Have you ever been doing something all along, doing it, doing it, doing it right, doing it right, and next thing you know, I don't know, something happened, and next thing you know, you don't even know why you're not doing it right anymore? No, just, just you? Well, let me tell you. You remember when? No. Um, I've gone through this phase now, you know, where, where, where um, I don't always lay the toilet seat back down. And my wife will go, I can't, what, what, what is the matter with you? Now, let me tell you what, every morning she wakes up, she's got to rejoice in the Lord. Because she ain't finding any joy in me. And we're going to be together for a while, aren't we? Amen. Amen. And... Uh, <laughs> So you see, you think about that. Now, that's something simple and something kind of silly, but honestly, that's it. Because that can develop into something else. The guy, you guys, we, we put our socks where they don't, they, they don't go, and, and we should have done this. We walked by and said, yeah, I'm gonna, I'll, put, I'll go put that away for her when I get back. Next thing you know, we go outside and we're doing something else. And why didn't you put that away? I was going to. Oh, this again. So she's got to find her joy in me, in the Lord, not in me. Think about that. We have to rejoice in what? In the Lord. Lord, you gave me that man. Praise God for you. Because, guys, we don't have to rejoice in our wives because we look at them and we think, man, we're, we got it made. Right, guys? Helping you out here. It's a little slow on the uptake there, guys. <clears throat> But it's the whole focus of life. Rejoice. How many like the, what's going on in the White House? You don't? <laughs> Have you been praying for your president? Well, praise God. Amen. It could be worse. We have to rejoice in our, we have to rejoice in our government. It's a good government. It's better than anyone on the face of this earth. If you get focused and caught up in all that, you're going to say, God, I'm going to go back to you today and I'm going to thank you for what you've given me and that you're in charge, you're in control, you've saved me from sin, you're coming back for me. Praise God. And you can go forward that day. And five minutes later, you've got to start all over and do it again. Rejoice, he says, evermore. Rejoice. And again, I say, rejoice. You see, Christians, we forget to rejoice in the Lord. David said... Um, Something. He said, uh, Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Bring it back to me. Because you're never happier. You will never be happier than you were when you first got saved. You will never be happier if you, until you're close to the Lord. You'll never be content unless you're with God. You'll never be where you need to be to be productive, to abound Unless you're rejoicing in what God has given you. You talk about trials. Remember in James it says, um, let me say what it says because I cannot remember that. In James he says, tells us too, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. When things come your way, count it joy. 
And people are like, I never did understand that dumb verse. Well, here's the thing about that. If I'm a born-again believer, Jesus says, our, our verse, I don't know if you notice this, is I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. That's going to take me. If there's a trouble, that right there, I'm going to shoot over here to God, come boldly to the throne of grace, as it tells me in Hebrew, that I may receive uh, mercy and grace in, the time of he- uh, in, in a time of need, help in time of need. I'm going to be there in the throne room of God, and God's going to help me praise God. If you're not going through any troubles, life's good for you, I bet you're not praising God. Because life's good. You don't have no problems. When do we go to God? When we got problems. So when you've got trials in your life, count it all joy because God's going to be right there to help you and you're going to get through it. When things are easy, count it all joy so you can stay where you need to be. But life is full of troubles and trials. Jesus said, in me you might have peace, but in this world you shall have tribulation. Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. The life of a Christian is all about this, rejoicing in what God has given us. He's given us salvation. He's given us hope. One more thing that I want to share with you. Then I will probably should have been done. In Second Peter, well, I don't know. I might have lost that chapter. Second Peter chapter. Excuse me. Excuse me, 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15. He says, But sanctify the Lord in your hearts and be ready to, to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. I believe that our hope comes from our joy. I really believe our hope comes from our joy. He says that he has give, called us in, 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 in 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 4, he says, Verse 1, chapter 1, verse 4 says, Whereby are given to us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped through the corruption that's in the lust. Go back up. And I don't think I'm in the right place here. But he says he has given to us all things that decides this. No, I'm sorry. Hang with me. It's all right. You've never been up here, have you? <laughs> think it's easy, right? It isn't. It's 1 Peter chapter 3. Blessed be God the Father, according to His abundant mercy, hath begotten us again into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I believe if you look at lively and you look at abound, those are action words. And you need to be abounding, you need to be increasing. A lively hope is something that you actually put your hope in. And it's alive. And I believe that if we don't have hope, we don't have joy. Because if our hope is not alive, it's dead. And I don't believe anybody finds joy in anything dead. You want to have joy, you've got to rejoice. You've got to get back to the cross. You've got to say, Lord, I'm finding my joy and I'm putting it in you. Just like David said, restore to me the joy of my salvation. He said he has caught us into a lively hope. We go back to that other verse I was telling you about, First Peter chapter 3, verse 15. Be ready to give an answer to every man that asks you the reason of the hope that is within you. How many people, let's just say within the past year, have had somebody come up and say, Hey, what's the deal with you? You're different. Can you tell me that? Anybody in here? One person. Praise God. We should all have had that because we should be walking around different than everybody else. And they should see a different livelihood in us. They should see a different type of life in the Christian instead of the guy walking around eating a pickle. I've got to go to church today and this is not going to be fun. I don't want to go to church. 
We don't like to go to church. We don't like to be around church people because we know that we're not doing what we should be doing. I believe. Amen? You can go home and sit in front of the, in front of the, in front of the TV and it don't care what you do. It doesn't tell you you should be at church. It doesn't tell you to go pick something up or why aren't you doing this. It's just an idiot box for an idiot to watch. Amen? If you stop and figure what God wants us to do, He wants us to be alive. He wants us to be joyful. He wants us to have hope. Our hope is in Him. The lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're born again believers. We take our last breath. We're absent from the body to be present with the Lord. He died, rose again the third day. And He's coming again for us. If that's not hope and that doesn't bring you joy, maybe you need to go back to the cross and say, did I really accept Jesus Christ as my Savior? Because, friend, I'll tell you what. Christianity is about living for Jesus Christ. Christianity isn't a patch we put on our shirt and say, oh, yes, I'm a Christian. I get to do whatever I want. Christianity is a way of life to live a life pleasing to the one that died on the cross for you. Because I don't know about you, but I don't deserve heaven. I deserve everything hell has to offer. But I've got great joy in the Lord in knowing that he wants to change me from this day forward. I hope you feel the same way. Rejoice evermore in what the Lord has given. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for what you've given us. For We praise you for what you're going to do. Help us to, to experience the joy unspeakable. Lord, that people would see a difference in us. That we could say, hey, I can't explain this to you, but man, I've got this. I just want to share this with you. And if they see an excitement in us, they're going to share it. They'll want to share it. They'll want to hear it, and we'll want to share it. Lord, bring us back to the joy of our salvation. Bring us back every day, if need be, that we need to go back to the cross and say, Thank you, Jesus, for giving me that eternal life. May today be the day that I start afresh and serve you completely. Every day is a new day in the Lord. May we take advantage of that and look for that soon and imminent return of our Lord and Savior. It's in His name we pray. Amen.